This is a fucking weird episode. For anyone who is listening to this, we're talking to Chris Starr, who is the singer and guitarist for Adam's Two Ashes, which is one of the been following pretty closely over the last little while and they're awesome and so we wanted to chatter with him and and whoever else could have joined and all of this kind of stuff about the stuff that they're doing and how they are managing because you know life is weird <laughs> so. oh it is i've uh yeah well it's, it's great to be sort of back i mean because last week we had that really cool uh, uh discussion about so many things going on in in the, in the whole like realm of uh justice league and joss whedon and and disney and all that stuff so it really it's uh, it's it's not really a long time no see it's more of like a yes i'm already back (laughs) but um yeah it's it's crazy i was actually just telling someone today um on one of the multiple things that uh, i'm uh, we're working on in the future and i was just like i feel like i've been busier since the pandemic as opposed to before the pandemic it's uh it's it's a crazy thing that we're we're experiencing right now we're it's not just doing things traditionally and mechanically like before you're now you're like, you're going, okay, like how do you get creative with what you have at your disposal? And as an indie band too, it's not, uh, it's not really like it, I like uh, not to, to, to complain or anything, but it's not, it's not easy when you don't have like the bank behind you, like a lot of artists do like that are higher up in the ranks. So it's like, okay, like from my living room, how do I create engagement? (laughs) You know? And then it's like, oh yeah, and we're a band. So how do we three get like, you know, like dialogue going? And like, I, I sometimes it feels weird because it's like a, a lot of the times, like people see me in the interviews or Instagram lives and this and that. It's like, it's like, dude, man, like I, even me being here is really difficult right now. But like, of course, I love it. But at the same time, too, like uh, Karen, I think you had a chat with Sean today on on the Instagram, and it was just like. Yeah, he's he's over like completely overbooked and a whole bunch of stuff. So we're making do with what we got. But the important thing is, is that we're we're hustling and we're keeping it going. And that's what it's all about. Right. That's 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 the whole thing about the indie scene. So, yeah, well, that's I mean, it's 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 pretty incredible. What you said about the backing is true. Like you you guys have to manage everything. Like it's not everything, every single detail telling you just go here, do this this is set up for you. No, like I, I saw your post on your, on Facebook and Instagram about how you were trying to like manage a photo shoot dealing with the- <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, I hadn't even thought of things like that. Like that's, you know, just these extra layers of difficulty to trying to do everything that you would normally want to be doing to help promote your work and your art. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, like just life had an extra stick to throw into my wheel and just whipped it right at my face. No, but it's, it, that was like going back to that photo shoot was actually, it was the, like, there was just so much to take in consideration. There was even uh, one of the, the, the photo shoots because of the curfew and everything we actually had to do in the driveway at my place with a backdrop oh my uh, outside because there, it, it was just like, or else we're breaking the rules. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, holy oh yeah it's in it's it just it, it brought like the whole difficulty up just one extra step and like as you're you know like th- there's like a lot of things that are like you learn over the years and you acquire like certain um, like everyone in an indie band has developed like skills over the years for anything you know like i'll take care of like some photography and this and that and editing and whatnot and um but 
Yeah, it's just like, then it's like, all right, well, we're going to put all your knowledge to the test now. It's like, how do you deal with it? It's like college all over again, you know? It's like, oh God. Bro, pop quiz, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? Oh, so it's like speed then too. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's kind of like, quiz, you can do shot. all this, but you can't go under 50 miles an hour. Sweet. <laughs> Ooh, Challenge accepted. All right, cool. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get on to my first actual quite not really a question but since we've been talking we've been talking about the troubles with getting things like these interviews and stuff together because of corona and the pandemic secondly you've mentioned the three of you just a couple of minutes ago yeah. sadly we can only have the one of you not sadly because i fucking love you but unfortunately i'm <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but unfortunately we couldn't have the other two no. fine gentlemen here with you but for our listeners and our audience you can introduce them in a way. Yeah. And... Where, so the other band. I actually have a way to introduce them. Hold on. Oh, oh. oh we're getting technical. Are, is, are we going to get, we're going to get. So luckily we're in the studio. So we have access to a whole bunch of fun stuff. Oh. So one of them being the picture of us. Uh -huh. So as you can see, this handsome guy in the middle is me. And then off here, I'm trying to line it up. Oh, here we go. There you go. So yeah. that's Sean. So that's that's the bass player. And then if we keep going this way, we have oh there you go. Off to the far right there with the with the uh, sort of grunge look going on. Mm -hmm. That's Reg as a drummer. Nice. And um prior to that, the guy that was to his uh left or your right or however that works out with the mirror concept, it was actually a, a gig guitarist that we had in the lineup before. And obviously, you know, well not obviously, but <clears throat> it hasn't worked out. So as you can see, you know, with the profiles and the Instagram updates and stuff like that, but that's things that happen. Yeah. But yeah, so I introduced the guy successfully through a pick. <laughs> I'm going to have to add that to my CV because, <laughs> it's like, you know, I feel like uh, you're in the woods with two sticks. What do you do? You know, it's like, uh, well, here you go. You know, so I, yeah. So that was Sean and Reg. Nice. And uh, yeah, those are the guys that helped uh, complete the lineup for, uh, for Adams to Ashes. Yeah, actually we've been, Friends, all of us, for like roughly 20 years. Me and Sean, definitely 20. And uh, Reg, gotta be around that because we actually started our first band together when we were like 16. That's so, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we yeah, we, we have a lot of stories, needless <laughs> to say. We've been having a conversation earlier this week in general about, you know, it's like, how do bands manage to get together? Like, is this like, you know, your people that were already trained like in some musical instruments and then they kind of go, Hey, we should start a band. Or is it just like random bunch of friends getting together and be like, we should just start a band. <laughs> we were wondering how and then you learn guitar, you learn drums, <laughs> you learn bass. And eventually we'll have a band. <laughs> like so That was the first band that me and Sean actually had this band before our very first. It was, I, I, I want to say that was our first band, but I think Sean was in there for a whole of three weeks. <laughs> and um, me and Sean were almost in the same boat where it was kind of like, I got a guitar for Christmas. I was like 14. And uh, by like somewhere in the summer of that year, I had met up with a drummer and then we were looking, bass players were like some scared, like, like just scared. So it was just like, or you just, find one and you just latch on and it's just like, I need you, you know, <laughs> or you would even convert a guitarist into a bass player. It's just like, you play bass now. What? <laughs> and uh, so Sean was one of those guys that actually was just like picked up a bass and started going. And um, 
so yeah, so that started actually when we were like 14, 15, but that's exactly how it started. We were like just learning our instruments and, uh, and it just kind of went from there after that. I mean, band drama when you're 15, you know, it was kind of like, uh, uh, I showed up at a band practice one day and there was like another guitarist and another bass player. And I was like, what's going on here? You know? And it's just like, Oh, nothing. And then a guitar, the guitarist left and we had our band practice. And I was like, well, what's happening with Sean? It's like, oh, well, we figured Sean's never like, you know, available or whatnot, X, Y, Z reasons, whatever they gave. So we figured we'd give another guy a go. It was like, oh, okay, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And then needless to say, a couple of weeks later, I was out of that band. So I was just like, oh, you know what? I called Sean up. Let's start another band to rival these bastards. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for Karen to leave the podcast so I can bring somebody else in. But she's sticking around, it seems. Well, then. <laughs> Oh, well, if that didn't break the mood, yeah, I don't know what sad. <laughs> no, and I think what broke the mood. I think what broke the mood was that you introduced your band by a picture on an audio podcast. <laughs> oh, what? Don't we have? The, oh, yes, of course. But we have the video here. You guys are going to do the montage after. Please tell me I didn't do that. <laughs> no, you did that, and it was hilarious. Okay, I enjoyed it fully. We just did one thing. <laughs> Wicked. So, um, um, so okay, I'm gonna go back. Don't worry, on you that. still introduce them. Just people. Can't oh, I see. did. I mean, yeah, through a a photograph that no one will ever see. <laughs> ever. Just the picture. <laughs> we can post it. Be like, and <laughs> and. No. It's just because I'm seeing everything go by in the Zoom conference. I'm like, everyone can see this. It's okay. It's no big deal, you know? So this, is, this whole visual audio spectrum being separate things, like two separate realms, is very confusing for my brain. <laughs> yeah, literally the, the video is just so we can see each other and react. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't want to talk to the void. Basically. And yet I hear you. Like you're like you're like the voice in my head. It's just like it's like I just I hear you talking to me. I'm like, yes, it shall be done. Oh. You know, <laughs> Tyler has been given a position of power. Everybody fucking run. <laughs> Never. A it's good called thing. administrator mute. Oh no. Oh, fuck! I should at least get a fucking a slogan that or a a name that I can spell. Administrators. Too many. Too many. Too many syllables. Too many letters. Okay. I just want to be the asshole. <laughs> There's more letters, I think, in the asshole than administrator. <laughs> but he uses that word so much more, so he already knows. I do. <laughs> it's already in like his autocorrect on his phone. You see, this is uh, his autocorrect. Jesus, <laughs> I, wish mine, I wish mine picked up on my swearing because every time I want to say fuck, it says duck. It's like mine. It's mine no longer does I that. Meant. It's not what I. Meant. Yeah, I didn't mean truck. You know, I didn't mean duck. No. I meant fuck. Yeah. It, stopped, it has stopped correcting me because I use that word so often in, when I'm talking on text. So maybe you just need a different, like a, a different app. I use SwiftKey. I don't know about what you, what you do. Well, it, sometimes it's really smart, right? Like, it, it, like words that you use very often uh, or like phrases that you use very often, it will like not but like you'll, you can make seven mistakes out of nine letters and it'll understand where you're going, you know? And for obvious reasons, Adam to Ashes is something that I type quite often in my phone. Yes. And recently, it started doing this thing. Adam's, uh, what was it? Adam's Go Ashes. Adam's 2-T-O-O Ashes. Um, Adam's and Ashes. I was like, Jesus freaking Christ. It's not like, it's like I never wrote this 
in my phone ever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for the day. It's like Adams to Sanchez, you know. It's just like Jesus, you know. Is okay, my phone well, trying to tell me a joke here? Like, before you change your name to Adam to Sanchez, and because <laughs> you just brought up the name, one of my questions was, where did the name come from? Hmm. What's the meaning behind the name? Um, I mean, I think I can understand it. I've seen your logo. I've seen the pictures, stuff, but for people that may not know you as of yet? Uh, it's really, it, it stems from, uh, I, I have this weird uh, tendency of like kind of pushing an analysis really far. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll take all elements around me and kind of do a melting pot and then come up with this extravagant explanation for the reasoning behind that. So for Adams to Ashes, um, when it started, uh, the first, the very first formation of Adam Sashes, because it hasn't always been Sean on bass, Reg on drums. Um, it actually was, uh, the very first formation was, uh, several guys from different bands that had all had the same backstory. They all broke up. Okay. And so in a singularity, I, like, I was like, I showed up with this idea. And it was just like, we were all kind of like, just like had, we had this baggage, but no reason to do anything. And we showed up and did the, like got together and started making this music. So we were all like kind of like separate atoms. And then when we showed up together, we were like kind of like the remnants of each of everyone's projects rising from the ashes. So it was like atoms to ashes, you know? So it kind of brought in like a little bit of like, uh, like molecular stuff and chemistry and like mytholo uh, mythology in there and stuff. So. That is super cool. I very much like that. I had, you know, I had I had looked at it in the sense of destruction because, of course, you know, it is it, 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 with the image of the atomic bomb, and and Tyler had gone into this very deep. <laughs> uh, I basically went life from death. You know, and, and you did the phoenix thing, which is a little a little yeah. more, you know closer to the truth um but it was quite the opposite of the way we normally go i'm usually the one that is like deep analysis and like no it's just like this <laughs> we were Black like in white snow gray <laughs> switch what happened anyway but it appeared it appears that you were the more correct one so good for you there was no uh, right or wrong i think that both ways that you guys looked at it is very uh was was also very relatable to uh like all the process as well. Like, as you guys talked about like the whole uh, rising from the whole destruction and stuff like that too. And actually the very first business cards that we printed, which we printed 800. So I'm sure we still have some kicking around, but it's actually the, what we say on it, the slogan is creation after destruction. So it, it was really like, it was really the driving force because like I said, like we had come from four different bands that had known some kind of uh, level of success and then it like shit the bed. And then we, formed Adams to Ashes after that. And then the whole life or death thing, well, it actually is in the sense that, uh, well, for me, I can't really speak for the other guys that were at the time in the band, but for me, it's like, I, I don't do music because I want to. I do music because I need to. Death is a little extreme, but it, it's something that is with me every day when I wake up, when I go to bed or whatnot. It's always there with me. It's always present. So it's something that I need to do. So, so you're always like, it, your brain is sort of always working on like new sounds, new music, new tunes, new lyrics, new, like all of this kind of stuff is sort of swimming around in your head at all times kind of deal. It's, 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 it does, there is an omnipresence to it. I'd have to say that in the last year and a half or so, um, the things that really added on to that, uh, the, the, the spectrum of doing music was more looking at it, not just 
through the artist's eyes. You know, it's uh, we like, you know, every person who starts a band's dream is to say, I write songs, I do music and I go out and tour and everything's great. The reality being, it's not that if you really want to do that, you have to wear several different hats. Okay. So in my everyday uh, basis of like music, it's, it, it's, there's, you know, a juggle, it's a juggling act between actual creation and then creation for social media ideas to generate future, uh, uh, like, you know, to keep the ball rolling and whatnot. So, I mean, overall, it all has to do with music, but ultimately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not just music all the time, as in like melodies and beats and stuff. However, it does like, I will not waste an opportunity when a melody comes by and be like, oh shit, I need to record this. Like I have my phone and it's like, I whip it out and I'll put that melody in my phone, save it for later. But uh, yeah, it's something that's always with me in, in one form or another. Well, see, our podcast kind of started out of a similar fashion with my constant need to create and entertain. I'm always writing, I like drawing. I wanted to become a filmmaker, all that stuff. But I never had the, the the finish. I had all the ideas, but I could just never get them out as the way I wanted to. So then I thought, well, I can do like an entertainment style podcast. And then I get to still say all the shit that I want to say. And hopefully people are listening to it and fucking enjoying it. And again, that was another project where I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So I went looking for people who wanted to fucking jump in on it with me and it just so happens that fucking karen wanted to free her brain from <laughs> educational fucking shit and jumped on board and here we are with my desire of just annoying the masses basically but we we you know we both we we certainly come from a love of music and movies and uh, you know television and all of the all of the stuff that you know all of the escapist stuff that gen x is really well known for <laughs> <laughs> video games, you know like i was like ooh, let's let's forget about reality because that just that shit just sucks so we're gonna yeah can we take a break for a second you know it's just like oh yeah i, I totally feel for that now you have an like you guys have been hard at work during the pandemic you have been doing crazy amounts of stuff and in fact you have a whole new album like an ep coming out yes soon like yeah actually uh it's projected for late summer early fall yeah Amazing. I mean, congratulations on, on being able to do that because I can, as you know, we were saying that it can't have been, it must have been more complicated to create. You know, it's, um, it, it was, but I think we got really lucky in the whole situation because um, the creation process actually wasn't so difficult or the recording process wasn't so difficult too, because in all reality, this was actually done pre-COVID. And then when we really started getting things put together um, with like, we, we started it all off with like a bullet. We're doing the video clip and releasing the song. Um, I came up to the guys and I said, we should try a different approach for releasing uh, an album okay. as opposed to just releasing an album. And then kind of like, like traditionally you would release an album and then put out video clips to get people to come back to the album and whatnot. Right. And I, I didn't really feel like through uh, what I had experienced in the past and what I was seeing going on and everything that that was the way to continue to do things. So I kind of proposed it's like, how about we do an approach where we release every track on the, on the album 
like a like a like like an album. We put the whole package into it. So like ah. video clip and the promotion and go check this out and this and that. And then people eat it up. They follow you. They listen to it, whatever. And then they can't wait for your next album. So you do the same thing with the next release, with the next single. And then ultimately at the end, you get an album, which exclusively, like we said in, in the viewing party last week, is that we're going to be just releasing it physically. So if you really want the album, well, then you get it physically. If not, you can stream every song on, on Spotify, like, you know, whatnot. But if you really want that, that piece of the, the, the band's like, you know, hard work and everything, you buy the album exclusively physically. So with that whole mentality and then COVID happened, it was kind of a stroke of luck ultimately because it was like, man, it would have totally like just nosedived like if we had done it typically as like indie bands like do because I think the thing, the big, not the problem, but the thing with that is that like, and I mean, we all do it. It's like that we always look up to like, what are these bands that we look up to doing? And of course they can release an album and everyone goes out and eats it and, and, you know, saves their favorite songs and stuff like that. They have a following, they have this and that, but when you're trying to create your following and you're trying to create your foundation and you do typically like, other bands are doing that are more established well ultimately uh, in our realm the indie realm you're you're actually burning your material way faster than than you should you know and and so with that like in respects to that thought like we were able to actually stretch out the whole which we're deeming now we're calling it the blackbird era from basically officially from uh 2020 to now end of 2021 which i was like wow like we actually made this work in the circumstances that were unforeseen, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you had the, the way that you have released your material has kept your audience consistently engaged and considering that everyone is online more than they would perhaps norm normally be, you know, I mean, we're online all the time anyway, let's face it. But the way that, because of the way that the pandemic has sort of shaped people's sort of extracurricular activities and yeah. stuff, it, they're, they're more likely to be tied into their social media and things like that. And you have been very much like you have been very present there and that keeps people actively thinking about you and look and consuming your material and all of that. That's really, that was exceptionally clever. In fact, I would say. It, like I said, it was kind of like a wild card idea because it was kind of like, we're, well, we're going to test something out here. And then, like I said, then everything happened. I think where it really dawned on us that this played to our advantage was when we released Feels Like Home because we released it, I think it was, well, we did the viewing party and the pre-releases. I think it was like somewhere in end of April last year. And like, that's when everyone was really feeling that this is something that isn't going away and it's settling in in everyone's minds. And they're like, Jesus, how is our life going to be after this? And then we came out with this song. And here's really a weird bit of, uh, I don't want to say trivia, but this a weird bit of like, you know, history that happened in, in that moment too. I kid you not, because there's no way that I could have contacted them or known, you know, but Papa Roach the same week as us actually released a song called Feels Like Home. Oh, shoot. In the exact same week. <laughs> so we were like, like, dude, this is, this is like, the rent like obviously i don't want to say obviously but like a band like papa roach is established they can kind of like turn on their heels and be like guys we need to hit this like a studio or this or that whenever and write something about the pandemic 
us, it had literally been about a year in the planning, give or take, which for us, the coincidence was that much more ironic. But it was just, it brought up that irony even more to know that Papa Roach on the exact same week or give or take, like there was absolutely, you know, really a short lapse of time between feels like home and it feels like home or I think there's had like one thing different like it's like like home or I'm like home or but it was so scary it was like wow like we almost messaged them to obviously be ignored but to be like hey you're, you're, you're stealing our thunder here bro like, <laughs> that was our idea we've been working on this for a year <laughs> regarding feels like home I yes absolutely love that song and I love watching the video because it feels so Canadian without it really like shoving it in your face like it, it's just there there's something about the 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 highways and things like that that really just you know immediately make me feel like I'm where I where I live you know what I mean and there I yeah I just love it it just makes the landscape me- was just uh, fantastic it was actually that was another two what we, we lucked out in that experience because literally how the timeline went was that we shot uh like a bullet I think it was late October so uh, we got off of uh, like a bullet and we were just like pumped, you know, like cause, like smoke grenades and drone shots and everything. And it was like, yeah, you know. And then meanwhile in Colombia, um, we had friends in, a, well, we still have those friends that, but they're in a reggae band and they were shooting video clips and we saw their video clips and we were just like, oh, guys, it would be so great to work with you one day. And then they're like, well, actually we're pretty available to do that, like to, you know, to work whenever you want. So the opportunity kind of was like me being the, I would have to say impulsive, but also very like strategic. Like I'm very strategic and organized, but I do have like impulses that kind of just come in just like that. You're into- so I was like, yeah, yeah. So it was just like, you know, like, uh, Hey, do you want to do something towards the like end of November? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, kind of turn to the guys and be like, well, who's available? And it was just kind of like, well, you know, it's a bit short notice and this and that, and it's pricey and whatnot. So I kind of backpacked to, to Columbia and did this video clip. And that was like the premise of Feels Like Home, which was actually kind of the opposite of the message. It was kind of like, if you break out of your comfort zone, this is what your life might look like. And then, yeah, so it was, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice reflection on, you know, the contrary of the song, like if you do break out of your comfort zone, you know, and you see something else, you know, you can find your home still outside of that as well, too. That's very cool. Yeah, that was, I, it's certainly having, you know, now having lived in another country, you, 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 you get to understand what home feels like kind of thing. And that also that you can take it with you. <laughs> so yeah, you'll always find your home ish vibes wherever you go. And, and it, it's really like home is where your heart is. Right. So you'll always bring that feeling with you wherever you go. It's not the four walls that you're stuck in or, you know, that will define your reality. It's really like, okay, what's well, how you perceive and how you go ahead and you do about your thing. Yeah, indeed. I find it really easy. Cause I've literally lived in the same, like, 40 kilometer square for my entire 45 years. <laughs> oh boy. Just, no. you know. Just feels like home. <laughs> I've like moved to like different cities all over them, different countries now. <laughs> you have stayed put, which is good. I mean, Ottawa's home. You know, this this makes it. So for you guys, it Montreal is home for now, right? Yeah, it, for now, yeah. It's home base. 
you know, as probably the foreseeable future. I, Montreal is a great city. I have visited on a, quite a number of, of occasions and I would, you know, if, if I got the opportunity to live there, I totally would. Like it's a, it's a really cool place to be. The, do you, have you done lots of like live shows in and around Montreal kind of thing? Is that, have you had that opportunity? Definitely in the past. Um, at like, uh, from the beginning of Adams to Ashes, we, we've done a few shows, but shows hadn't really been our, our strongest point because a lot of our following comes from online. It's a crazy phenomenon that started way back when, but we'll get to that later. But, um, as far as shows go, like, yeah, like me, Sean and Reg and, and the band right before Adams to Ashes, um, we had done so many shows and. I, I hate to say it, but like dive bars, you know, and stuff like that around the corner that, that dive bars are great for the, for like rock music. Honestly, like they're, you, you kind oh, of, I've seen some of the best shows in small little bars. The floors are sticky. <laughs> like it's just- and I'm, I'm fairly convinced that we gave a lot of people a run for their money because we were just crazy. Like I, I literally, when we started with, uh, with the, the old band, um there came a point where we were tired because you know obviously when you're you're doing the dive bar shows and there's things that really just get to you you know you're doing shows in front of two people the promoter doesn't do his job he hires 10 bands because you know whatever so at some point we're like okay well what can we control in this and and what we did was that we basically brought our show with us wherever we went so we had like lighting stacks and like oh. we, we had our amps that were like about as high as us we had extra speakers just to take up space on the stage we had our banners and stuff like that we were like look if there's 10 people there we're gonna blow their mind holes because also back then social media wasn't really a, it wasn't really it was still in its like you know very fetal form it was just come it was just starting out there wasn't such things as sharing or i think posting pictures was about as close as it got to sharing that experience with it, with your two megapixel camera, you know, it's just like, oh, I think I see a face there, you know, Blurry. or you were scanning an old, like those disposable cameras you got at the corner score, <laughs> corner store, you know, before the show. Yeah. So we were doing that. So it was kind of like we were taking the dive bar experience to a whole new level. You know, we like, we actually came up with the idea. It was like, if they're going to pay $5 to see a show, well, they're going to get a fucking show for five bucks. And um, I remember this one time, actually, we, we used to have a singer in that band. I didn't sing. I was just on guitar back then. And um, the, the singer bailed on us. Like, I want to say like hours before the show, but like, it was just, it was brutal. So uh, we decided to do the show anyways. And I sang for a, a, a good part of the show and Sean helped me out and this and that. But there was one part of the show that none of us wanted to sing because we were like a post-hardcore band. So we had a big breakdown and in a big, big breakdown, you know, if you're a guitarist and you're a bass player, you want to be swinging your guitar and your head and stuff like that. So you can't be stalled in front of a microphone. Fuck that shit. So we sampled from the demo that we had recorded the vocals of the singer in the breakdown. And we just kind of like pressed play while it was happening. So here we are, this big breakdown. We have stroboscope lights, like just flashing everywhere. There's like smoke and a whole bunch of shit. And, and like, it was just like heavy. It was like a Treyu heavy. It was like, and then this voice pops out of nowhere. There's no one in front of a microphone. There's just us smashing our heads everywhere. And then the voice comes, whatever. It stops. We get back. We sing the chorus. End of show. We get off. 
And then I kid you not, people came up to us and they're like, man, I don't know what or how much I took of whatever I took before the show, but I could swear that I heard a voice during that part. <laughs> and it was epic. And it was just like, so we were laughing our asses. I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure you heard something? Cause I wasn't in front of the mic. Sean, were you in front of the microphone? No. <laughs> so that's, that's a pretty great show when it makes you question your own reality. I don't, I don't think I've had that experience yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It was, uh, it, yeah, that was an interesting experience. But, uh, after that we said we can't really do that too often because, uh, we, 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 we might not be as lucky to get like really stoned and, and drunk people at every one of show, every one of the shows we do. So we, at one point we bit the bullet and it was like, okay, well, we'll do the breakdown and we'll sing it. But well, you're, but yeah, we've done a lot of shows in, in the Montreal region. We've done like Le Petit Campus. I, I think there's venues that don't even exist anymore. Uh, Le Petit Campus, we did the, uh, I think we did Le Divan Orange. We did La, La Tulipe. We did Le Café Inconditionnel. Uh, we did a whole bunch of places. These really small places that were just kind of like legendary for these really small indie circles. Yeah, that's That's been a thing that we have been, that, that Ottawa had lacked for a really long time. We had like just a couple of venues and then one of, now one of them is gone and which is unfortunate. And there was another one that it's always was, sad. that was that way. And I'm talking about Zaphod's there. Um, then another one got threatened and all of this. And we are both like Tyler and I are both very much pro keeping these places alive because it allows for the indie bands to get exposure. I mean, like it's, it is so, it is so, it, it it's so hard for for bands to to get that kind of like places to play that are affordable and all of these kinds of things. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know and, we want to see. And those- it's also, and it's also like that, you, like the indie bands get exposure. Yes, but like example on a Tuesday night, you can go to these places mm-hmm. and cover a band. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a hand in hand thing where it's just like you get to discover a new band you might fall in love with. And vice versa, the band might get to discover a fan that really loves them. And there you go. That's how the bond is made, you know? But yeah, it's, uh, especially with this whole COVID thing, it's going to be a really weird reality when this whole thing comes to, like, not back to normal. There's no way we're coming back to that. But when we're going to be establishing the rules to this new normality, it's going to be an odd thing at the beginning, I think. And, uh, and, Thank God that the world is still like uh, open to adapting to example, like virtual shows, like what we're, it kind of took us a while to get on the bandwagon because we wanted to see how things were going, but like, you know what, we're finishing up with this album. Let's do a virtual show. Let's see how it goes. But uh, it's still, even that for a small time band, it's really hard to produce because you got to be just absolutely, absolutely hustling day and night and really relentless um and and not in the spammy way like you got to be just in your on your social media game and doing your stories and this and that and talking to people like continuously if someone asked me well what what is the thing you do mostly for adam's to ashes i'd say these days it is contacting people talking with people interacting it's like if i walked into a crowd i'm trying to shake as many hands as i can you know to nurture the relationships that are helping support you right yeah absolutely but in the most natural, organic, and easygoing way, you know, because I see too many bands. It's like, here's my song. Listen to my song. Listen to my song. Listen. Have you heard my song? It's like, buddy, you're turning me off right now, you know? <laughs> so I was like, there was this was established when we decided to really put some time into the Instagram was like, I don't want to be putting our music down people's 
throats. We will suggest it. If they want to listen to it, they shall. And we'll ask them feedback and whatnot. And if not, on to the next, you know? Yeah. Well, it makes makes the relationship that you have with your fans very natural, as we have talked about consistently. It it means that, you know, they they get to know you as a person. (laughs) Exactly. Simply a performer, you know, and I, like it, it makes you a human being. And that I think, I think one, of course, one of the things that people have felt the lack of as a result of the pandemic is connection. And you, by doing things the way that you're doing are actually forming a relationship as opposed to simply a, uh, projecting what you're, what you're, des- what you desire onto other people. Like it's absolutely a very different experience. And I think that that's very important for, ha- for gaining, people that are going to be interested in you on a long-term basis so yeah exactly it's really breaking down those barriers too it's like another thing too it's it's the perception that people have of bands you know like some people start following us and then uh we'll comment on their stuff and they'll be like oh my god he's talking to me it's just like of course we're talking to you like we're just average joes like just like you know everyone else but (laughs) it's 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 like it's culture it's 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 cultivating that mentality that like of course, yeah, we do music and it may influence you and you may like love it and, you know, admire it and, you know, put it on a pedestal and stuff. In a way, we're kind of bringing it down and I was just like, hey, like, we're glad you love our music, but we're also just like, you know, we're just like you or just like the next person, you know, we're people that obviously we're doing what we love, but at the same time too, it's like, like we, it's, it's, we don't want to be put out as like, we don't want people to be like, oh, we are not worthy. Oh, you know, Wayne's world it up there. It's like, look, it's, we can have a, a really cool and awesome chat and it's going to be it's going to be really cool. It's going to be down to earth. And that's how we try to keep it. Well, I mean, I still get schoolgirl giddy as like as the podcast when I'll send a message to a band or somebody or will comment on something like. Uh, uh, fuck, well, who's Richling? What's his first name? The guy from Anything for Jackson, Richling. Oh, <laughs> Julian Richling. <laughs> Julian Richling. We we made a comment about uh, one of his movies that was coming out, and he responded to our tweet, and I lost my shit. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Same it's, as it's like a you guys. Feeling though, right? It's like when yeah. someone you respect. You write to them. You take that chance. Like when you're a person and you have the utmost highest amount of uh, of admiration for someone and then you write to them and then they respond to you. It's a great feeling. And that's what we want to kind of give to the fans. It's just like, you know, you don't need to just listen to our song. It's like you can talk to us. We're very approachable. You know, I think a lot of people have noticed that so far. And it's but it's cool that you fangirl over it, too. Like it's like, oh, like I- don't get me wrong. It gets us happy, too. You know, <laughs> like. Like, uh, I know you got a few more fans from when you showed up on our live stream Indeed. last weekend. Absolutely. I couldn't believe it. I had like something like four or five follows like right afterwards. I was just like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, Just from just the way that you talked and interacted and just had like a good time. And then, of course, playing your videos, a couple of them commented like right after fucking great song and shit like that. But I think it was mostly just you showing up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a human person. I'm not just a robot that plays guitar. And yeah. everybody fucking got on board and was like, fuck, these guys are cool. And it's also what, what was great, too, is also to be outside of the realm of, of music. Like, don't get me wrong. I love music. But when I can nerd out with a couple of things, like if you check my Instagram, like uh, my Instagram, my personal Instagram, like it says entry level nerd, you know, because like I heard you guys talking about some stuff and I was like, 
looking at my wife was like, I don't think I can participate here. Like there's some shit I don't know, you know, but I was like, no, whatever. Like, you know, I'm going to like, you know, hopscotch it, you know, like, all right, let's do this, you know, but uh, I got in and I was just like, oh, I can totally, I, I love this. This is stuff that we can, we can totally extrapolate on so many spheres and so many aspects of it all. And it was so much fun to be, uh, to, to just, just interact with people that have a passion for something that I'm like, oh, I love this, this geeky, nerdy stuff, you know? Yeah, we are definitely, we are definitely nerdy about these things. Yeah. Well, now that brings me to my next little section, subject segment here. I know that your time is waning and that you have to go at some point in time. Um, we do have more to this episode <laughs> that we're getting into. And you can stick around. Sure. And as you said, hopscotch your way through the conversations we're about to be having. Or <laughs> you can, you can... You can sadly fuck off if you want. That's, that, that wasn't a that wasn't a do it. That was a suggestion. Passive aggressiveness. There. Was, uh, <laughs> you can you can just you know get the fuck you can out get of the, here. You know what? There's the door. <laughs> you can fuck off if you want. That's, <laughs> the choice is yours. The choice is yours. <laughs> you chose poorly. <laughs> so hold on. Parenthesis. Parenthesis. I really got to add this sidebar here. But actually, I was. I re I've been rewatching How I Met Your Mother, and actually the episode where Ted is at Barney's wedding with Robin, and he, you know, there's the Indiana Jones reference. You know, you yep. chose poorly. That's the episode I watched last night right before I went to bed. And the fact that you're like you're, you're quoting that right now, it's just like, ah! <laughs> this is the it, it, you're, you're not just like you, you you that voice that I hear in my ears with no image. Like it's approaching godlike right now. You know, it's. Like, oh, oh, God, will be impossible. Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dad, look at him. Look at him, this beatific like, smiling that he's got going on. Oh, dear. Fuck. I'm so doomed. <laughs> As the shit-eating grin grows, we're going to get in more and more trouble. This is how it goes. Um, so, anyway, anyway. So, back to um, our usual programming. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we don't even have usual programming. That's what I love about this podcast. Yeah, so back to our unusual programming. Yeah. Pretty much how we go. Um, first on our docket, and you can jump in. You can spin it however you want it. Um, the last, the next episode, or the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out on Friday. We both gave it a watch. He's like, no, I haven't done it yet. Ah! We're, we're very much spoiler free uh. when we talk about things. Uh, we'll give our so much. We'll give our general reaction to it, but we won't spoil. Yeah, yeah, we don't anything. Speak, that's wrong. So, Karen, your thoughts generally? Oh my, my, my thought, But we, we are okay. No, just <laughs> moving on. We're switching gears now. Already, then my thoughts in general. I liked the episode. I certainly appreciated the interaction that um, that that Bucky and Sam had in front of the shrink. <laughs> that was Oh, well, there's my first rant. That was, oh, see That should have been interesting. Like I can just see it now. Yeah, yeah, they 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 definitely had a had a thing. Um what would I say? I am I I was actually quite intrigued by what was going on with the with the flag smashers. So the one of the things that is happening, of course, in this show is that there is a group of anti-nationalists, uh, people that 
want borders to come down. But instead of doing this in a, you know, calm way, they're doing this in a, as terrorists, really. And we fe- we met. Wouldn't we, be a show without it. We met. And, and the, the Flag Smashers were a opponent of um, Captain America in the comics as well. But they were, uh, at the time that it was written, they were portrayed as communists. Right. Because, of course, at the time it was like the Red Army and and all of this kind of jazz. Now they're taking us they're putting a different spin on it. And we got to meet the leader of the Flag Smashers and also discover the nature of a bunch of the Flag Smashers. And I I was I found that quite curious and I'm wondering where that's going to go. So, yeah. I find it cool that they're adapting, actually. Like, uh, we saw it in Iron Man 2 back in 2007 or 2008, I think it was, too, how they adapt the storylines to current events to make it work in in this current timeline. Like, it's, you know, we're not talking about Nazis and and communists and stuff like that anymore. We're going to try to make it sound for the era so it's it's relevant. It feels feels like people can take it and appropriate it and, you know, make up their minds. Well, see, this episode of... Falcon Winter Soldier went even further on that by introducing um, some race issues okay. in the current times where we have Falcon um, seemingly being yes. uh, profiled yeah. because of his color and stuff like that in the episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to rant for a minute. And <laughs> you have so my, my rant for this episode was the fact that this takes place a couple of months after the blip or the. So we're talking 2023, right? Like. Well, it was, it's shortly after everybody comes back after their five-year hiatus. Mm-hmm. And Sam and Bucky's interactions in this episode mm-hmm. seemed far too, not buddy-buddy because they have that animosity towards each other, mm-hmm. but it, it seemed like a, 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 a togetherness or a more established whatever, a more established connection to each other for two people who we basically saw interact in civil war. Right. And then not again, because Sam was gone for five years. So was Bucky, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So when they get together in this episode for the first time, and it is almost immediate Mm -hmm. that they're at each other's throats and they're the little comedy fucking Laurel and Hardy fucking back and forth and shit like that is happening. I just felt it was far too quick and easy just to start writing that in. Like, like they haven't even established that they are now going to be a team or that they don't like each other. It's just Bucky shows up because he disagrees with uh, a, a decision Falcon made. And immediately they're just like, okay, now we're just going to throw one-liners at each other and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then you just said that you liked the part where they were in the shrink's office mm-hmm. together. That made absolutely no sense to me because Bucky had been to the shrink once from what I understand, he's not very open in what he talks about, so she wouldn't even fucking known who the Falcon was. So to bring him in and have them sit there and do couples therapy, not even knowing that they really have this this general issue with each other, mm. just seemed very... It, that, that's like a fourth or fifth episode thing for me, I, after we established that they don't get along. I got the impression that he had had multiple visits with her, not just one. Um, so, Oh yeah, with her. Yes. But so she, Bucky and the Falcon haven't seen each other no, since the end of Endgame. No, but he has a... Obviously his, his um, issues where Cap was concerned would have been a discussion. Right. Oh, I understand that. Therefore, I think Sam would have been part of that because I bet you money that Bucky felt less than Sam for because 
he was the one that was chosen to take the shield. Like I'm sure yeah, but- I, I think that that relationship was was already implied, not necessarily established. And and I understand why you were saying that it, you felt that they rushed it, but I would say that it was a and it's it's a leap that I can make. Yeah, I couldn't make it. I'm I'm very, I guess I'm more time sensitive, as we've found through other shit where shows seemingly take like we had this issue with WandaVision mm. where it took. Darcy and fucking Vision four episodes to get from that street corner to the house. But that's literally where the battle was going on. Yeah, I get you. And again, that's a leaf of faith too. But when I watch a show and it's spread out in weekly installments, the time in between for some reason gets into my head, Mm. which is why I should just binge shit and not watch them in weekly installments. But then you get spoilers and whatever. (laughs) I just felt that the months that went by between the end of Endgame when Cap made his decision and blah, blah, blah. And to where Bucky first walked up to Falcon, that they had no interaction in between point A and point B, mm. and that their back and forth and their trading quips and their whatever just seemed just too immediate. Mm. Like there was no build to it, to their animosity towards each other. And if it was animosity because of the reasons in the show that I, we can't discuss because people haven't seen it yet, I think they would have been more harsh than the quippy back and forth perhaps well it could be that they want to get to that later on like they want to kind of keep it to be able to have something to work with to to build that relationship you know like between the two characters too and also i it feels like a winning combination would actually be to find that whole relationship or that lack of relationship that there was in civil war to you know it's like a bit of a comedic relief you know it's kind of like yeah you fucking guy you know and it's just like it, it keeps people kind of like it's a new it's a new spin on like Marvel too. Like we talked about WandaVision last week and stuff like that too. They're they're testing the waters, but also ultimately, even if they could, you know, survive it financially, they don't want to lose viewership. So they're gonna go with options that keep people on board, which is like, well, let's have them, you know, kind of, you know, do some passive aggressive comments at each other and and then we'll we'll fill in everything in between when the episodes develop further on and like, let's be honest too it's probably going to be like a 10 episode season give or take so it doesn't leave a lot of maneuver too to uh to like they're gonna have to probably skip a couple of things or make it look like they're skipping a couple of things but develop on it in little increments along the way while keeping people intrigued yeah yeah i do get it because it's only six episodes long so you don't have a lot of time yeah. but then that comes to my argument we're stop making six episode seasons Nah. Well, see, I find that ridiculous. Like, in the sense, like, okay, I got it for Game of Thrones the last season. You make it eight episodes of, and especially they made them lengthier. Uh, I hated that season, for the record. But, however, I did get it. There was contractual reasons, a whole bunch of stuff. However, in when you are starting with a season one of something, you cannot, unless it's, like, a pilot and you have no idea where it's going. But even then, Disney knows that they want five seasons of this at least so why would you start with a six season episode i get it maybe it's like oh well we have 20 million dollars for this much amount of time and whatever and we can only make six episodes but guys like yeah budget is certainly a possibility and then the other thing they might be following a bit like the uk model where you often like with sherlock for instance you would get three episodes for a season and they would be about an hour and a half long each and so it's an equivalent kind of amount of time i'm not saying that that's what they're doing i think it really is probably entirely budgetary because that yeah disney 
functions that way, right? Like they're a corporation and they know it and they that's how they work. So I'm sure it's all about the, mud, the money that they put into that. Because there is some pretty amazing special effects in, in these episodes. Like I was impressed also with the, with the fight scene on top of the trucks and I'm not going to get into yeah. many details, but I mean, this was not low budget stuff. Like it was. The quality no. there. And also if you just look at the actor's payroll, I mean, right there, that eats a huge chunk out of your, out of your budget mm-hmm. because you're keeping the original actors from the films. And even if it's not Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. and stuff, and stuff like that, like it's still like guys that are basically now considered as like triple A, you know, actors, you know, like they're, they've been in the big blockbuster Hollywood movies. They're worth a certain amount, you know? Well, from what I understand is all these shows that Disney are putting out in the Marvel side of it are all one-offs. And they're basically just to move the story into what the next movie, the next phase is going to be. So I understand the short six episode season, but if you're still going to have these characters be together in this little fucking misfit team that they are in future movies and endeavors, I still think you could have taken a little extra time. It doesn't mean that they can't still have an epic fight on top of a fucking whatever and fucking there. But I don't think that their relationship as it is with the quippiness should have just started hitting the ground running. Mm. There should have been more of a build to it for me. That's just my personal. Doesn't mean they can't fight side by side. But if if I get together with somebody that I didn't really know mm-hmm. after like a year or whatever, I don't just automatically start insulting them. I have friends that I've known for 30 years <laughs> and can do that. And we we don't see each other for a year, and the moment I see them, I call them asshole, and fucking we just go okay, on well, from there. But let's put this in perspective as well, too. So on us mortal level, you know, we're talking about that, and we're relating on a very mortal and like you know, no and no kind of way super level. Now, when you take it up to a super level, and then with a thing like happened, like the you know the blip and stuff like that too. That accelerates things in itself. It accelerates relationships and how you view bonds with people. Because let's say one day the person that was fighting to your left of you disappears because some guy snaps his hands. It puts all your life in perspective. And for five years, these people have thought about this moment. And then all of a sudden they're back. It tends to, it tends to bring on another type of, uh, it really, it really puts aspects into consideration in every person's mind. You know, how what you mean there, and on on top of that, we also saw in winter in the relationship with Sam and Cap started immediately, right? Like he Sam was also quippy with Cap right from the fucking get go. There was no shy in that man, so that he is also the same kind of forthright with Bucky doesn't surprise me at all. It makes sense. I think it's just Um, like. After you live such a cataclysmic event like that, too, it also puts life back in meaning. There is no time to waste. You know, hashtag YOLO is full <laughs> strong in this thing. It's just like, you know what? If I want to say fuck you to someone, I will not wait a second because some asshole is going to snap his fingers and you might be gone and I will not have gotten the chance to say that. So, yeah, I feel like that's also something that's kind of psych- in the psychology of the whole episode or the whole, like, because like this, this this whole event has defined and rippled into every aspect of Marvel's uh, universe, Marvel's uni- cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, too, there could be that that's in play. It's kind of like, hey, look, you know, we got a second A. Both of them got a second chance there mm-hmm. because they both disappeared in the blip. They did. And it's kind of like, OK, well, you know what? We're not going to mess around. You know, this is how I feel. Fuck you. Let's keep going. You know, 
we still have to deal with this shit. But fuck you. You know? <laughs> You're still around. I'm still around. Fuck you. Let's get going. You know, we have no time to waste here. So we'll have to see how they how they play it. I am always a lover of the of the the you know the the, the mismatched couple, like the odd couple pairing with comedy. Like that is always going to appeal to me. So. Oh, one of my favorite parts of Civil War was their couple of moments of banter back and forth. Like, I love these two characters when they're together, and I'm going to love them in the show. I just felt that I felt episode two felt more like episode four and that I missed something because it started off two minutes into the episode. They're already bickering best buddies. And I'm like, when the fuck did this happen? <laughs> I'm like, OK, I must and have skipped an episode. Flashback. That, yeah. Maybe we might get some of that. That's okay, there's another thing too. Maybe in the afterlife, you know, Bucky and and uh, and uh, and, and the Falcon, you know, were like, you know what? I, even as a spirit, fuck you, you know. And it's just like, let's bring this back into the into the real world, you know. Who knows? Maybe Marvel's crazy like that. You know, it's like, oh yeah, in the in the astral realm on the astral plane, uh, they they just kept on going. Did. The rivalry, just and bitterness, I could just prevail. It kept going. That's how strong it is. And the entire time fighting about who was Cap's best friend. I am sure. <laughs> it's it's like I said for How I Met Your Mother. It's like Marshall and Barney fighting for Ted's love. You know, it's just there you go. Well, to be honest, I think that the one person that loved Cap the most was Ant Man. Maybe. Oh, oh, yeah. No, hold on, hold on. This is in fandom. What? Yeah, there you go. We are not worthy. They're, they have the Wayne's World complex. <laughs> but was it really? It was utmost respect. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at like, well, mind you, Falcon has a shit ton of respect for Cap. Don't don't get me wrong, but he doesn't go fangirl every time he sees him. You know, and he never commented on his ass. So there's that. Too. There you go. You know. <laughs> Now, you know, the, the Ant-Man, you know, is definitely a guy who's just like, oh, my God, you know, what I wouldn't do for that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving from one superhero to, to the next superhero. another superhero, uh, we both checked out a brand new animated series mm -hmm. from uh, Robert Kirkman, who wrote and created and show ran the Walking Dead series. Yes. And he also wrote... Uh, and with two other guys who, fuck, for some reason, it's slipping my mind anyway, but created the show, uh, comic, and now show Invincible. Yes. Which is a very adult and very hilarious and very fun and very violent animated superhero show. It starts off and you think, like, the, so the first episode, is it feels like you're like, what is this? It's highly derivative. Uh, all of these characters that are introduced are analogs for characters that already exist in Justice League, and I'm like, what is going on here? And, you know, I, I kind of like put myself through the first episode and then it takes a turn <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh my, <laughs> that, that, that didn't, I was not expecting that. And yeah. And then let I, me so guess you episode one finished with this sort of cliffhanger thing that was like, Oh fuck. Well now I need to watch episode two. And then episode two sunk its hit, its hooks into you. And then you're like, well, Jesus Christ, I got to fucking keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you found that the introduction of the superheroes and their abilities and stuff derivative. Yes, entirely. Whereas I found it a complete, absolute, like spot-on parody that was purposeful and fucking amusing as hell. Now, in, in having now seen the entire thing, 
then yes, like that's it. It is meant to be a parody. But oh yeah, the beginning. I'm just like I didn't know what we were getting into. Right, like it was sort of like I know it's a superhero cartoon. That's what I know. And I'm like, okay, these are all just ripoffs of characters that I already know. So it feels it feels like the boys actually from like Amazon originals, where it's just like the first episode that I saw that was like right away. It's like Wonder Woman, Superman, and uh, and and the Flash. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you see the things unfold, and you're like, oh wait a second, oh shit! That was my literal reaction at the end of that. I was like, okay, you know what? I will keep going. Yeah, but regardless of from what standpoint because even like tyler is seeing it from a different standpoint and you are the conclusion is the same i will keep going to see where this goes the i mean <laughs> boy i was like what are we getting into and then the girl dissolved into blood and i was like oh this is gonna be interesting <laughs> oh yeah when i saw teeth flying and shit i was like oh my god <laughs> like well, my the first I'm thing go get that a i was beard. this just got good yeah, the first thing that I was going to say was this reminded me a lot of the boys. It had like it just, like Omni Man is basically Homelander mm-hmm. yeah. and fucking yeah. shit like is. Yeah, and I mean stellar cast. Indeed, yes. We, yeah, we have Sandra Oh, we have J.K. Simmons, we have Stephen Yun, we have Zz Beats, Walter Groggins, Jillian Jacobs, yeah. Jason Manzukis. Like it's just like it, uh, Zachary Quinto. Yeah, all of the actors are all of the voices are voices you know, and Mark Hamill, like Seth Rogen, they're all yeah absolutely fantastic but as uh chris said where this show is usually i'll watch the first three episodes because we're going to do a review on the show and then i won't go back mm. i've done and it you, to a ton you of the shows bulk of it in three episodes like it's like okay this is where they're going if you've seen enough of this kind of stuff in your life you're like okay i know how this is gonna end yeah or even if i've enjoyed the three episodes for some reason i just because we move so quickly through the podcast trying to find new shit to do and blah 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 oh, i yeah. just never find the time or whatever to go back to something i will finish this show because those first three episodes like i am 100 percent hooked uh there's so many different storylines going on right now that i have no fucking clue whether it's omni man whether it's that super secret shield like fucking base guy what's going on with grayson like there's just so and and this is a superhero show that has so much more human element to it than even a show like the boys or whatever because there's cheating boyfriends there's bullies there's well, it's- home life there's there's a wife that is understanding but also has her needs there's a girlfriend and then another love interest and then and it's it's a- it's, it's like more like a comic book like that yeah, that's the thing because comic books have so much more of the life of superheroes in them than most shows and movies give us Right. Well, because comic books, well, because you read a comic book, they can stretch out storylines through the panels. Whereas you said earlier when we were talking about Falcon Winter Soldier, Chris, Mm -hmm. that shows need to hit you right from the start and grab your attention. So they need to. And usually what you get with superhero shows or movies is that they throw all the superhero at you because they want to grab your attention and they leave the other shit behind. This started off as like a family drama. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And then all of a sudden we got the superhero shit and it's like an even balance between the two. And I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm all sorts of on board and I can't wait to see where this fucking thing goes. Mm-hmm. I am curious indeed. So yes, recommend. And sidebar, it's really cool. Like you, you named it. Like I didn't know most of the names that you, na- you named for like the voice acting, but I did recognize like Zachary Quinto, uh, Mark Hamill and uh, Seth Rogen. 
And uh, I mean, obviously Mark Hamill has done some voice acting in the past, you know, Joker for Batman notably, but um, to know like Zachary Quinto and Seth Rogen to kind of like cross over and be like, you know what, let's do some voice acting too. I think that also shows it's testament to the, the, the versatility to be able to do other things that are in the acting realm, but it's very different, even if it has its similarities to be like, hey, I'm not only going to voice act, I'm going to voice act in an anime, which usually animes too have a lot of, they're more permissive in what they can do as opposed to traditional cartoons that will be broadcast on, you know, very like, you know, everyday, uh, I, I want to say cable, but regular, you know, channels that people watch. You know? right. yeah. Well, I think, I think animation should have taken over during the pandemic. And I think we're seeing the end result of that oh, because these shows take forever to make. So I think in the next little while, and we've seen a couple of them come out, we're going to see a lot of more animated shows because during the pandemic, when actors are trying to find work, probably some of the easier work to get would be voice work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, this is like you said, like there's some top notch talent here yeah. that maybe yeah, absolutely. had well, nothing else to do. Certainly Kirkman wanted to give jobs to all the people from walking dead, right? Like that was, I mean, the bulk of the primary cast were walking dead Alan. Well, at the same time, too, do you want to say no to a guy like Zachary Quinto and Seth Rogen when they're like, hey, you need a voice? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. The char- yes, I do. Yeah, the character that, 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 that Quinto is playing is also seems to have a, more, a, a very pivotal role as well, so I'm not surprised to see him showing up there. I mean, if you go farther down the list, we got John Hamm, Ezra Miller. Oh. They were only in a few episodes, but... No, they're they're kind of like, like cameos. Are, yeah. yeah. But there's just tons of star power in this, and big time, and the violence, the gore, the oh, yeah. Well, like we were talking about too, like the other day too. Like it's like before, it's like if you made it to the big screen, it's like your career was going, and if you had to regress back to TV, your career was going there to die. And now it feels like the complete opposite, and we're seeing the ripple effects of all this stuff. Yeah, uh, the COVID is kind of like our snap. You know, like there is a snap and there's been ripple effects. And now everyone's like, well, what do I have? I have to do things to keep on moving with my life. And then you get these really like, I mean, obviously, like they're, they're, they're names that we know, but they're like maybe not AAA titles and whatnot, but they're still names that we know. And they're like, hey, we're going to do who would have thought 15, 20 years ago, you'd hear get like guys like Seth Rogen and stuff like that, too, doing anime, you know, like voices in an anime show. And then, and now it's, it's coming up and it's doing its thing. And it's becoming more and more popular, increasingly more popular. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really cool because it's now it's like, it's not, of course we can all appreciate a voice, a great voice doing a great role and stuff. That's obviously a given, but when you know behind that, that there's like the person who's done, it's, it's kind of like uh Hugo weaving when he did Megatron and transformers, you're like, Holy crap. Agent Smith just went Megatron. You're like, yes. You know, like that. That's wicked. It was just ten years before his time, you know. Like, well, I think, I think Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill's performance as the Joker that you mentioned earlier was a might have was was a is a big deal of that. Like, he was yeah. he won awards for that performance, and it kept him working, right? Like, but even on the main scene, like as far as recognition goes, like he didn't get nearly enough recognition for for that. If you ask me, because. It's Batman. Even if it's animated series or the movies or whatnot, You're so it's good. Batman. You're the Joker. You're the most iconic villain. You're voicing the most iconic villain in Batman. Yeah. Why are you not getting? But now it's like, oh, hey, by the way, Mark Hamill is doing Joker. And people are like, oh, what? And because I guess maybe they have more time to, to give to it, 
maybe. And then maybe like, you know, like they're like maybe backwards. They'll go and look at Batman, the animated series and be like, oh shit, that was Mark Hamill all along, you know, that was Luke Skywalker and this and that and go watch Star Wars. Everything is going, you know, DC animated product products have been well known um, in like, you know, comic book fans for a long time to be really good properties. And I've only, I've only started picking up on them in the last like three or four years kind of thing. And holy shit, they're good. So, you know, if, if you do have, if you're like, I don't know what the fuck to watch, go watch a bunch of the DC animated shit that's out there because it's amazing. So, yeah, I've heard so much good stuff about it. It's it. Well, now, as you said, like we have Mark Hamill doing the Joker. And now if I hear the Joker, mm-hmm. like an animated Joker or a video game Joker, and it's not that voice, you're like, <laughs> I'm I'm upset. I'm like, what the fuck? This is not the Joker. <laughs> Give me this fucking shit. That, no. And I'm sure that guy did a very fucking stand-up job at doing the voice. Yeah. And he did, he was fucking whatever, but you hear a voice for so long. You ruined it for everyone. It was I just know. like after Heath Ledger's performance of Joker and Batman, when anyone would step up to that, like, you know, Jared Leto, like, I like the guy. He didn't do nearly as great a job as Heath Ledger did. And then everyone's going to live in that shadow. And before that was Jack Nicholson. Yep. Everyone was living in the in the shadow of Jack Nicholson doing his Joker portrayal of Joker in the early 90s. Michael Keaton as Batman. So, so, you know. There you go. Like, <laughs> the way that it goes you identify a person or a voice with a certain role for sure it's and it's hard to get past that kind of deal but yes i like i do one of the things i do like about invincible is that even though these characters have abilities that we have seen before in you know the dc universe for sure and you can sort of go oh okay that's starfire oh that's you know robin but blah 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 you can make these comparisons but nonetheless it is a different universe and so they could take the stories in different directions and they're not locked into the lore that dc can sometimes get mired in by so that's i'm happy to see where they can take this from here speaking of dc oh sorry sorry uh is anybody getting on sorry you go (laughs) i was just gonna do this all night (laughs) what's cool that they can explore is that it's it's the idea that it's like taking Superman. We can't call him Superman, but we'll call him something else. And what is this person that has the exact same powers as Superman, let's say, for example, what is he conflicted with? His moral compass might not be the same. His his ideal his ideology might not be the same. And then what does that create in his life and his surroundings? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, it's the same powers that we identify left, right, and center, just like we noticed in the boys and stuff. However, we see that example, Homelander does not treat life the same way as superman would because of his upbringing example you know or whatnot so it's interesting to see that even people with similar powers will see life differently you know and i think that's a great aspect because it says like it says a lot about like you can have two people that have you know the exact same abilities in life you know have the same talents we see this every day same talents uh same this and that intelligence and whatnot and yet lead two absolutely different paths because of you know environment or, or, or upbringing or xyz reasons so i think that's what's great that's why we can rehash out the same abilities over different spheres and different spectrums where it's it's almost like so one of the one of the um su- one of the subjects of many scientific studies are twins because of course twins are you know identical twins or genetic- biologically they're the same yeah Biologically, they're hypothetically the same we're starting to find out they're not exactly the same, but nonetheless, the it's a really great way to study the effective environment on a person. And this is kind of like the not the non scientific way of looking at that. You know, it, it's the creative way of looking at that. Sort of like, okay, we take these same you know group of abilities and we expose them to a different a different stressor, a different environment, 
all of these other sort of like different upbringings and then what does that cre- what does that make you know and oh because i guarantee you right now if i suddenly gained all of superman's powers i would not be anything like fucking superman we already know you. Yeah, yeah no i i kid you not i had this discussion when i was much younger i was working in a warehouse and uh, we and we were talking about uh what would you do with certain superpowers and 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 basically the question was like to the person so it was like uh if I granted you, uh, example, uh, super strength, what would you do? You know, and like a lot of people would be like, oh, I would, I don't know, climb a mountain in one single bound, or I would, you know, X, Y, Z things. I'd rob a bank. You know, like some people would say stuff like that too. I kid you not. This guy was like, because we would empty trailers. He's like, I'd empty trailer a trailer with one hand. I'm like, you would do that. That's the first thing you would do with super strength is you'd empty so super strength. I'm going to keep the same job. I'm just going to do it more efficiently. Exactly. You know, it's not like I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it just goes to show you have people example, because like, you know, that if they had superpowers one day, just like that, it doesn't change the person they are. You know, they could have laser sight or x-ray vision. They would probably not use it in the way that, uh, that, uh, that they, well, you, we say suppose because of the references that we have, but is there really a supposed to way to use x-ray vision or laser vision or super strength or super speed? <laughs> Who knows? The morally responsible would probably continue to be, well, I don't know about that. Because, you know, then there's that whole power dynamic and then that changes shit. So who knows? Look, I said it. I said it already. If I could use the force, I would definitely be a great Jedi. I could not be light nor dark. I'd just be a great Jedi. <laughs> There'd be sometimes there's you know the Sith would a little be a little bit on my shoulder, and the other time would be the Jedi would be a little on my shoulder. But yeah, I couldn't be one or the other. Nice, easy balance. Yeah, I think I would definitely go experience some moral conflict there. (laughs) (laughs) Fry everybody or not. Hmm. (laughs) Not sure. So we are coming up onto when you expressed your need to depart, take off. Yeah. Let, let, let's we, add an extension. Let's keep it rolling. Are you sure? I, I've, I've, I, 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 I've, uh, I've made my, uh, I made some requests while we were talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> because we, we do have another segment that we had planned for today, which you can of course jump in on. Need- this is the one that I brought to you. Oh, wait, sorry. Karen has something before that. I need 30 seconds and then I'll be back. Cause I need more wine actually. Really? That's, that's that's what it is. So I'll be right back. You continue yabbering about I don't know what. Well, did you have any more band related questions that maybe I? Yeah, could we were we were to? gonna we were gonna bring that up. We were gonna because of course, uh, with your permission, at the end of this, we are going to play your new single. Absolutely. As, as we want to close out the episode with giving everybody a uh, a sample. Well, not a sample. The entire song of uh, "Back to You." So. Yes. On that, seeing as this is the newest from you, what's what's going? What's moving forward for you in like the the next couple of month time frame? Um. So right now, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of thought that goes into how you want to promote a single. Like I was talking about before, like as opposed to releasing an album and then kind of going from there, we were more like pr- doing the whole promoting a single as it was an album and then moving on forward. So to conclude the Blackburn era, um, we have still another single left to uh, release, which will be happening somewhere in August, give or take. 
And um, so from here to then, uh, the planning would be sort of to continue to promote back to you, obviously, with like, you know, massive promotion with a couple of ideas that we want to do. Um, and then start working on uh, what we wanted to achieve next for the release for Bra- uh, uh, well, I was going to reveal the title. Oh, oh my oh, God, oh. The, the exclusivity would have been real. Uh, or I could edit that in. We're all good. We're not live. <laughs> but she's like, I heard some gossip. <laughs> um, but all that to be said, yeah, so we're going to be working up a campaign, basically working up to the release of that single. So uh, we're going to do, like, again, a viewing party because, I mean, I, I do that because I just love it. <laughs> I think it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, the first one was nerve-wracking. I'm not going to lie. When we did the one for, like, a bullet, um, it wasn't unheard of, but it was very uh, – it was it was not something typically – that bands would do and and we were still before covid so it was kind of like why am i why am i doing this you know online when i can go in a bar and play the songs and this and that whatnot and uh and then after that everything that unfolded but then we got to a liking like a a liking to it and i was like oh let's let's do this continuously so we're going to do a viewing party for that um and then we're going to conclude what would be what like i said before we deemed the blackburn era and then in between that, because you always have, we always have a ball rolling here and there. We're going to be doing some um, collaborations. One that I'm very stoked about with a rapper from Vancouver called Sixteen. I um, post about that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we actually talked about him a couple of times on our on our Facebook. Um, we're going to be doing a collaboration with him. Um, maybe two, maybe three, who knows? It really depends on how things uh, swing, but so far it's been really good. Uh, it's been really awesome. I, I, I want so bad to like share a snippet of the song, but it's going to be something that we're going to hold for down the line. So we're going to definitely cut in, uh, cut in with that and stuff. Uh, we're going to obviously release merch because we're always working on some merch. And then we do the album release show in September. Um, if all goes well, I'm so like fingers crossed right now because, you know, with everything with COVID, it's like one day it's okay. One day it's kind of like less okay. And when things get less okay, it's panic over here. It's like shut everything down and create a curfew. But hopefully with uh, like summer and stuff like that too, there's going to be a level of responsibility that people are like, we don't want to lose kind of that sort of privilege that we have to kind of like get out and about and talk with people and socialize again. So hopefully we'll be able to keep on going with that and then we'll be able to keep on track with things. And then after that, so as I was saying before, because I said like, um, you know, like, uh, like when the band like got together and stuff like that too, uh, uh, like how Adam Sashes came together and whatnot. So I was saying like that at the beginning, what was weird is that we had a really strong uh, online presence as opposed to a lot of bands actually start more like they get the, they, they get, they, they're like the kind of the small town heroes where it's kind of like they play at the local bar and the place is filled up every Friday to see them because, you know, kind of like it's, it's the way it is with the hip or the way it was with the hip and things like that. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you, you pass a flyer here and there. Everyone talks about it. They meet up and they see the band and then you become kind of like local heroes. Us, it was the full opposite. It was actually, so in 2012, um, before Adams to Ashes actually was born the like the idea of adam sashes was born there but the name wasn't like there like it was just the idea emerged from there so i wrote the song heartless and uh and this was all on my own and all of a sudden like there is just a virality about it on youtube like 
it was just amassing ten. Well, well, from the day to the next, it was tens of thousands, and then hundreds of thousands, and then all of a sudden, like a million streams in various videos all over. I know it's wicked, except that back in 2012, I had no idea what to do with this. I was kind of like a little pissed off because I was just like, Jesus Christ, where's my million dollar paycheck? Here, you know, because there's like a million, like a million dollars of stream, uh, a million streams in various videos, and. Yeah. So whatever. So I, I like at the moment, it's kind of I didn't know what to do with that. And then obviously you adapt at the times like, okay, well, like that's where streaming really started. I felt for in North America, it really became a big thing. It was kind of like, okay, well, you know, you, your music is online. Yes. People won't necessarily pay to download it. I mean, obviously piracy, we already knew about it with Napster, LimeWire and all those things. But then it was kind of like living it myself as an artist, an indie artist. Like, you know, when you're young, you think, oh, it only happens to the big bands. You know, it only happens to Metallica or Papa Roach or Green Day or established bands. Mm -hmm. And then when it happens to you, you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that's where we're at. So anyway, so obviously roll with the punches. Fast forward back to here, 2021. So in October, we're going to actually start campaigning what I, uh, I'm, we don't have a full on like name for it. But it's basically we're celebrating the 10 years of the release, the original release of that song. So for a year, we're actually going to be doing uh, remixes, exclusive merch releases and stuff like that too. I do like sort of like behind the lyrics and a whole bunch of stuff like what brought on the ideas what the, and, and whatnot. And then lead into one year of that. So we want to do events relating to that. And uh, obviously releases, like I mentioned before and stuff, but like also not just typical releases, like from us, actually, we want to actually, um, in, do like, how would the song have been, had it been envisioned as a example, a dance song or a full orchestrated song or an acoustic song or this or that or whatnot. So it's got to be an interesting year for that. And then meanwhile, as this is all happening, we're actually going to go back to the studio and start writing our next album to be able to, yeah, it's, it's, we have a lot of things set up for the next, I would say, give or take easily 18 to 36 months, give or take. So okay, yeah. So if you're a fan of Adams to Ashes, you have a lot to look forward to. Fantastic. I it's 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 a lot of fun it's stuff that like a lot of it is in the uh, uh, like um still on the paper stage like i mean obviously we have to concentrate on the show and the finishing of this album but we have so much to us ourselves to celebrate and look forward to that it's just so inspiring to be like oh man like i can't wait to do this can't wait to do this i can't wait to do this i can't wait to do that so yeah i, I well we hope you can join us as you make each one of these steps Absolutely. And come back on time and time again. For sure. That would be sorry about that, Karen. I was just gonna say that I, I, I'm a huge fan of the song Heartless. And like that just it was when you sent us the first few tracks, uh, you know, a few months ago, that was yeah. that I was like, ooh. <laughs> was, I just I yeah, I just I just definitely I I felt con a connection to that one. And uh, so I'm interested to see what else you would do it. That would be oh, the ideas are abundant, but uh, funny, funny, trivial like thing because obviously for years we that was kind of like the bread and butter for Adam's Stash is like be, because we released in 2014 the Heartless EP. Yes. So between 2014 and 2017, there was obviously like there was a lot of things going on there, like band changes, member changes, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it wasn't for Heartless, we actually wouldn't have stayed 
relevant in some kind of way. Spotify kind of came here and then all of a sudden people were migrating from YouTube to Spotify and they actually brought it over from YouTube to Spotify and created playlists. So it kind of kept us alive. Like one day I kind of just decided to search us on Spotify and we existed. It was like, what? <laughs> like, so it was kind of like a driving force to keep going. And then through the storm actually was born from that. And that's where the idea of through the storm came. Cause it was kind of like that. We were just in the, in the slump. It was like, we have this song that's being listened to Jesus, like thousands of times a day um, on YouTube. And yet we're, we're like nowhere to be found. We, we, we don't know what to do with this. So then when Spotify come up and then we had more of an idea of what to do. So through the storm kind of emerged from that. Nice. But, um, Oh, sorry. I thought I thought Tyler wanted to chime in there. Nope. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, so it, it's uh, but fun fact is actually that <laughs> when Spotify became something official, um, so <laughs> it's kind of like it's a, it's like a, a twisted joke of mine. But like every year on February fifteenth, I, I I make it a thing to check what Heartless stats are on <laughs> every year, and I kid you not, without fail, every year that song is listened to. Just it goes through the roof on like April fifth, uh, April fifty, February fifteenth, like right after Valentine's Day, because it's just like so many people were probably dumped or I don't know what, and just crying and sobbing and playing our song on repeat. And yeah, it's uh, it's I I I don't mean to laugh. I think it's I think it's sad, but at the same time too, I'm just like, oh god. Well, you know, it's you have written a song that resonates with people that have experienced loss. And this is a good thing. And it's it's not a sad mopey song. It's like a fuck you bitch. <laughs> so oh yeah, and that is the entire premise of that song. It is literally that. You couldn't have worded it better. So that I, I think that that's the kind of that's probably um, perhaps a more healthy way to to deal with that kind of feeling. <laughs> yeah, you're feeling down. Just put on some heartless atoms to ashes, and you'll get your fix. Yeah. So that's <laughs> So yeah, that's what's in the works for. Uh, I would see for the, I would say for the foreseeable future, that is pretty much uh, what we got going on. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff is still on the drawing board, but we definitely want to celebrate our milestones and not be uh, not be. Um, how can I put it? I think a lot of bands miss that mark. They have songs that hit a thousand a thousand streams, ten thousand streams, and a hundred thousand streams on Spotify, and they feel like like oh, you know because they see the band next door hitting a million or this or that or whatnot. It's like, buddy, you know how many bands I see every day have less than a thousand streams in their top fives? So like, I remember commenting on a band on Facebook and saying like, you have a song that has a 1,400,000 streams on it. That is to be proud of. And we're like, yeah, whatever. I only got paid $4.96. Who cares? You have a song that has 1.4 million streams on it. That is something to be proud of and boast it and talk about it. Don't be cocky about it. But be like, hey, how many artists on the indie scene have that kind of leverage, have something that they could say, like, you know, I've seen press kits, I've made press kits and this and that. And that's something that's like if someone, a festival promoter or, you know, a radio host or a this or a that or whatever sees that, that piques their interest. Sure. But so many bands just are so easy to to like the just look at their accomplishments like they're nothing and i find that sad yeah so bands out there if you're going to listen if you're in a band and you're listening to this podcast 
celebrate your accomplishments. You've been around 10 years, celebrate your accomplishments. You have a song that has 10,000 streams, celebrate your accomplishments. Be proud of that stuff because it's something to be proud of, especially in this time and age. Things go fast and people just... There's a different way of consuming music and look, if you were able to get people to listen to your song 10,000 times and props to you, you're doing something right. Keep on going. Well, I mean, even as the podcast, like we're a small little podcast, I still check our stats and shit like that. And our last live stream, the one that you were part of, uh, we've done two live streams, I think before that. And we had like 50 or so on and off viewers. I saw the one that we did hit like 150 viewers what? and I literally almost shit myself. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> and like, that's like 150 people that at some point in time tuned in to the live stream for maybe a second, maybe five minutes, whatever. And I was all sorts of fucking excited. And I'm not even a fucking band that's getting fucking a million fucking streams and is disappointed about that. I... Like I'm fucking ecstatic that 150 people tuned into the fucking couple of us just shooting the shit for two hours like it was crazy i think i think what you touched on though chris is really important don't be dismissive of the things that you have in fact accomplished and yeah. be dismissive of the the skill and the talent that you have like it i artists are so often extremely self-critical like it, it, it's quite a it's quite a common trait that i have found <coughs> this guy <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, well, you pointed down. I don't know where I am in this triangle of uh, people here. <laughs> this triangle of evil. I like it. Love it. So, I I know that they are they're hardest on themselves often, and yeah, yes. take, but take a minute and realize that, that means that if you if you hit five thousand, if you hit ten thousand, if you hit a thousand, that's a thousand times that your song has been consumed by at least one person perhaps more <laughs> so you know. i mean it can happen that i mean i don't know it depends how long your song is but at the same time too it says it's look i think that it's also it stems from a lot of a mentality of like they're like i know people that are just great musicians or write great songs and stuff like that too or i've known people and never least because they're afraid to take a chance and some do and then all of a sudden their song is not listened to and they abandoned like there's many phases to this sure. and if i bring it back to myself like for years i was afraid to release music or, or 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 do anything uh and it's it's fear of it's not fear of failure actually it's fear of success because what if your song does do well you know you don't know if you don't take a chance and i mean fear of failure and fear of success kind of go hand in hand but it's just like, look, you have the ability. Why not try it? Especially in this time and age. It, like, it's literally so, so, so cheap to record a song and put it out there and then just see where it goes. And you're making yourself happy. And it just puts things in, in, in perspective. Like, if, like, like that guy that said, like, oh, Wiley made $4.96. Well, you see where his head's at, you know? It's like, dude, there's more going on here than just the amount of money you made on this song. There's the fact that, like, there's not one person that listened to your song to give you 1,400,000 streams. So I would take, I, I don't even know mathematically how long that would take, but amount of time. A ridiculous amount of time. So there is people that are legitimately interested in you. Open an Instagram, open a Facebook, try to find where these people are. But again, we go back to what we were saying at the beginning is, is that a lot of people 
um, do the music because they want to write songs and this and that. They want the riches and fame, but they also don't think that there's a lot of work involved. And they kind of just want a manager to hop on by or a label to come on, like come on by and be like, I really like what you're doing. And because of those stories that we hear, you know, oh, Lady Gaga discovered this girl on YouTube and whatever. And all of a sudden she has a record deal. Everyone wants to live that dream. Of course. Yeah. You're part of the indie community. This is something I cannot stress enough. You're part of the indie community. You want to make music? Do music. Do not expect anything to come in return unless you are putting in. And by putting in, I don't mean just writing your song and putting it out there and making it sound amazing. It's go and get your fans. Say hi to people. Do your thing. Campaign it. Make a pre-save link. Do stories. Collab with other bands. Make stuff. Make it happen. That's what the indie community is all about. Do your thing. It will come back to you. I'm not saying it'll come back to you tomorrow. Yeah. You know how long we've been doing this? For such a long time. Look, we're going to be celebrating Heartless in October. We're going to be celebrating its 10-year run by October 2022. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. But hey, I would not have had it any other way because it brought me to here talking with you guys, you know, doing parties. People legitimately interested in us and what we do day in, day out. And I couldn't ask for it to be any other way. Well, because you're doing it right Mm -hmm. as an indie band and with the way that the world is for the last couple of, not just COVID, I mean, for the social media, the, Mm -hmm. like the huge burst in social media and everything that if you're an indie band, whatever you, you can self-promote very easily. So it's is, not we like could, we could self-promote before that. It's just that it was like, there was no reason to, mm. it was like, well, whatever. It's like, no, yeah. not whatever. You know, it's like, dude, you have this at your disposal. Yeah. Instagram is free. Facebook is free. YouTube is free. Yeah. You are what you like. What I would say is that you, ha- you were given the toolbox and you have learned how to work. Right. Like a lot of people, those, those tools exist for anyone it's whether or not they choose to apply them to further their 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 goals kind of thing and you have you have said hey i see how i can use this and you're doing that and that's and it and And i'm not saying i'm not saying that this happened right away i know like this is from years of making like acknowledgements of certain things and being like you know because when i started i was very discouraged to have a a smashing song that was basically viral Mm -hmm. And not more money in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, but imagine this. You're a band that writes a song and it, it's smashing and stuff like that too. And you're given a toolbox to do your stuff. You open the toolbox. It has every single tool imaginable. But you have no idea how these tools work. Yeah. That's basically what bands are confronted with these days. Because there is so many free things. There's Bandcamp, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I, like, and Snapchat, everything. Any way that you can put yourself out there to promote yourself is key. Mm-hmm. And yet it's overwhelming as at the same time because you have too much. Some people are like, oh my God, they're spread over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's just like they don't know what to do with themselves. And then they fade into nothingness because they're just like, oh, it's so hard to manage. Of course, if you're trying to put 100% on eight different platforms, yeah, I get you. So how- There's not enough hours in one day. Yeah, How do you pick? Like what, what did, when, when choosing the social media that you choose, that you have to interact, Mm -hmm. what drove the choices that you made? 
Instagram was what was definitely what was working more and also more feasible for us to make uh, proper content that that would be not only accessible, but would be something more understandable. Um, Facebook was kind of outdated for a lot of the things that we wanted to attempt to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, it didn't uh, stop us from sharing to Facebook. Like our content will always find its way to Facebook when we post to Instagram. But a lot of our interactions come from Instagram because that is our main hub. Um, and we chose that because that was what is definitely was working most at that moment. Um, but I'm not going to say that it's always going to be like that because I have no idea that in five years, we don't know. another platform may come up and it might be like, okay, well, we have to migrate to this. That's part of the game. It's ever changing. And I think that's something too that indie artists need to, to definitely uh, put into their heads right away is that you can't just put something and, and then just leave it there and expect things to happen. Like example, whenever we release a single, we update all our banners on all our social media uh, websites, all our links, all our this, all our that, sometimes even our bios because things change. Example, the lineup, example, um, uh, where to find the music and whatnot. And that is something that is like, if you're releasing steady every three, four, five, six months, you have to do that. It is maintenance. And yeah, so it's just, that's part of the game. So when are you going to change your status to Lex Neville or Le- Next Level Nerd? <laughs> Definitely in 12 podcasts with you guys because I will have learned so much. I, I Every time I'm with you, and this has been a week, like this is two times in seven days. And I feel like my level of like, I have nerdgasms when I'm here. I'm like, <gasps> no, like I just, I learned something and I'm like, yes, you know, my brain is absorbing and I'm just like, anime is taking over the world. It's been 30 years in the making. Yes. You know, <laughs> we are, we are happy to provide a platform which informs others. This is, you know, this is what we do. I mean, it's why we do it. I've been laughed at for so long because I'm the biggest Dragon Ball uh, like fan ever. Like on my Instagram, I'm about to start a, a a trend called "So You Think You Like Dragon Ball," and I'm gonna post basically one like one every now and again of the things that I have of Dragon Ball, <laughs> and uh, and for so much like Sean, Sean is the greatest example actually. Sean, since we were kids, was like you fucking love Dragon Ball way too much. It's like, dude, I love Dragon Ball, <laughs> and it's fine, but. I'm like, when I hear stuff like this, it's like, it's coming up. It's like, yes, I held in the long run, you know? And it's just like retribution is near. When when Dragon Ball made a comeback for celebrating its 20, I think it was 30 years, Dragon Ball Z was celebrating its 30 years. And then they were releasing Dragon Ball Super. Mm-hmm. I was literally like, oh my God. I called Sean right away. I was like, buddy, like we have to watch the new Dragon Ball movies. And I went to his place and we watched uh, Resurrection F. But I was just like, dude, this is, this is, my generation, we're living this. We're they were in the now. It's happening. Like when we watched Dragon Ball Z, it was like passe already. It was kind of like yeah, it was already old. Even Dragon Ball was already old. <laughs> so to be able to see a new Dragon Ball series in our time for me, yeah, it was epic. I get for that. Sean, it was just like whatever. Every time they scream, let's just take a sip of beer. Sweet. All right, let's do it. <laughs> However, you want to enjoy the property, that is the way to. Ka, sip me, sip, ah, sip. You know, it's like God. a very enjoyable movie, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I suspect, and according to my calculations, and give or take twelve episodes, I should be uh, on par with you guys. Uh, 
to be able to, to, to really be able to like stay along with, uh, with the, the whole, like the names, what's going on, being up to date with, uh, of what's happening in the, in the realm of, uh, the geek world where I'm so, I am solely an entry level. I am, but, uh, 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 uh how can I put it? A monk, an apostle. I'm just learning. I'm just, please don't mind me. I'm just here for the teachings. Yeah, yeah. But I should be okay in, in a year or so. Uh, all, well, if you, sorry, I was ahead. just going to say all neophytes are welcome. That is, that is, that is, and, and that I'm, I'm very grateful for you, <laughs> your guys's uh, patience. <laughs> yeah. it's like I, I would never profess to actually be an expert. They, the, the things that we talk about are things that I very much enjoy. And in some cases love very deeply, but I would never, call myself any kind of specific expert. I, I have just probably watched a lot more movies than most of my friends. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what it boils down to. But see, like I did that uh, amongst my friends. I think that's me. And I still feel where I just like, I'm like, I know some lore. Like there are some things like I've also had fads in my life or like, uh, like I was very intense in certain things, but I still feel like there's, there's some things where I could, know more maybe that's my problem where it's just like i feel like i should know more about this considering that i had a fascination for that um but yeah i feel like with you guys i'm gonna get the fast track it's like course one today we should talk about famous uh actors who are now crossing over to the voice acting scene and um yes 101 here we go i really wish i had that accent (laughs) <laughs> you could work on it, Tyler. I mean, you are the, like the, the the guy of accents. You could you could manage that. Just you know, cultivate it. Well, it's funny because as you said, you you feel like you should know more about certain subjects. I feel I should know less about shit <laughs> because there there's stuff that I can't remember that happened a week ago, but I can recite every line to the most obscure 1977 movie that fucking nobody else has seen, and I don't know why I retained that shit, but I will forget my mom's birthday yearly <laughs> my uh my revelation of where i i knew things or i held on to details like you do um came to me in high school actually i think it was like in grade 10 um it was like one of those classes where the teachers it's like i have nothing to teach because you guys are already done the course planning so i'm gonna do like a trivia game so um in his trivial questions and and it was the worst because that class was actually a demo class it was a test class they were putting the regular kids with the high achieving kids. Okay. So the high achieving kids were bored. The regular kids were barely passing. I was in the regular kids. <laughs> so we have this trivia class and, and it was a groups of four and we're two and two. So two smart kids, two dumb kids. Obviously I'm clan dumb kids. So we're doing trivia, whatever. So I remember the question like it was yesterday. It was just like, um, what, uh, when, when recited, it was something like, when you, when you hear the term Nosferatu, what does it mean? Shot my hand up right away. And it was just like, yeah, Chris. And I was like, oh, it means vampire. And then, so the teacher's like, it's totally like, yeah, it is, you know, five points Gryffindor, you know, like sort of like, you know, whatever. Everyone in my group, and I think pretty much everyone in the class is like, how the fuck did this guy know this? And that was because I was into my vampire lore back then, you know? So that at that moment, it was like, I knew that it's like, okay, I have like just enough like nerd, like in me to be like, you know, geekiness in me to like hold on to those certain details that come to, you know, pop culture experience. 
I can hang on to what's going on. That as a 15 year old that you knew what Nosferatu was. Yeah, dude, like you are definitely a pop culture nerd. <laughs> it's like, like that was my discovery. That was like, you know, if Instagram existed back then that I would have definitely had in my bio entry level nerd, you know, like, you know, that's how it would have gone down. But back then it was just like, yeah, you know, I know that. And then after the class, like, yeah, you're still a loser. And it just leaves like, okay, cool. <laughs> I, I, it's, and and it, it, there is, there is no end of things to learn ever kind of thing. Like, oh my, mm. I mean, it, it, Tyler's got quotes memorized from things that I will never remember. And my husband has seen B movies from the seventies that I don't even know the titles of and knows things that I can't possibly regurgitate even now, but still, you know, there's things that I that 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 we that I know. So you know, we all have our. I drink and I know things. You know, it's, it's, I, that, yes, that is. I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna put that on a shirt right alongside with friends are just enemies you haven't made yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's from on the our, back of our the shirt, stream. right? <laughs> that goes on the back of the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, to to further educate you in our nerdy ways. Uh-huh. And because you were just talking about how in the next little while you're going to be remixing, remaking some of your classic songs, mm-hmm. um, the segment that we chose to do for this episode uh-huh. is one of our podcast recasts, where we take a classic movie that already had a stellar cast, right on. Um, and we recast it with who we think would fit the roles. Mm-hmm. But last time we did it, we just took a random movie. We did Heat, and we just recast it with anybody. Didn't matter era or whatever, yeah, we, and then we and kind then of we, we lost. Yeah. yeah, we lost the purpose. So this time we picked. I sp- I specifically geared it as a British film, so you know. Yep, that is true. You. <laughs> oh my god! Like just went all Coopers, over the map. Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the, the this movie's time, called lukewarm, not heat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> So this time For we British picked- fans out there, I just want to say I love you guys. <laughs> there is no harm done. I remember at the viewing party there was a, there was someone from from Britain, uh, the UK, tuning in, and uh, and when we had a little break there, I said like, you know, go go fill up on some tea, <laughs> and we'll be right back. And then in that moment when we had muted the mics, I kind of looked over at Sean, and Sean was like, you got to fix that situation right now. <laughs> so I came back. I was like, look, you guys also make some, you guys know how to hold your liquor. So you know what? Like, I, I have no doubt that you guys are crushing pints while we're, you know, not crushing pints. So yeah, you go go fill up on your scotch or your whiskey. You know, you guys are definitely crushing it there. <laughs> so for our okay. British fans out there, I just want to say, they, that was just a stereotype, but we love you guys. I, I love you guys. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think you're a bunch of tosses. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, the only comedy he listens to is British. So, you know. <laughs> that is true. That's all I watch have now. the is best humor. The dry humor is goes. the best. Yeah. So, um, for our segment, mm-hmm. getting back to that, we chose the 1986 classic Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which goes along with our live stream conversation about Stephen King. Indeed. So here we are. But for this one, um, I threw every other decade into a hat. And I pulled them out. So it was an 80s movie. So I put the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s in a hat. Mixed it all up. Pulled them out. 
Karen got, I got the 1990s. I did. And you can take it. Okay. So I took. I'm going to get a refill. All right. Yeah. <laughs> take it away, Karen. Yeah. So I took two different approaches with this one. I. I picked a cast according to if it was a brand new film in the nineties, also picked a cast change if it had been a reboot in the nineties kind of thing. So of course reboots were less common in the nineties, especially considering that the movie had only come out in 1986, but nonetheless, I wanted to kind of go there because you know, we, we do these things. So for my choices for stand by me, if it had been filmed in the nineties, I would have picked Eddie Furlong as Teddy. So, you know, the sarcastic, the the sarcastic one. I mean, he would have been such a great fit. And also kind of a similar um, career track as Corey Feldman. Really, 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 really famous. And then fucking disappeared. <laughs> and disappeared because of personal problems, of course. So there's that. I would have picked uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to play Gordy in, in Wheaton's place. Just he has that ability to come across as deeply sincere. And I think that that would have fit the role very well. And he would have been a good age. For Chris's role, where who, which had been done by River Phoenix, I picked DiCaprio. So now DiCaprio would have been a little older. He would have been in his mid-20s. But holy shit, like the dude looked like a baby for most of his life. So, I mean, Titanic was done around this, like a few years later, and he looked like 16 in that. So I figured it he was a good fit. And he was, he's such a, he would have so well fit the sort of sarcastic character that, that Phoenix played. Now for the Vern character who was done by Jerry O'Connell, I wasn't, I wasn't as quite as sure as to where I wanted to go with that one. And in the end, I picked Neil Patrick Harris, but he would have had to have had a lot of donuts. <laughs> burn was a little heavy you know so it, it like i mean if we wanted to be loyal to the story where like the original story that was done by Stephen king uh the body or well, but bachman king as bachman excuse me so you'd kind of need to still have that character with that dynamic so i would have but i would have picked neil patrick harris because he's such a good he's so good for the comedic aspects of things now for Merrill, for the you know sort of the villainous teenager, I would have picked James Franco. Well, that's a good call. You know, like a lot of these. I mean, the Kiefer Sutherland's character in the original film. This was kind of his launching pad. Between this and Lost Boys, his career took right off. And I think that it would have been awesome to see Franco kind of get a similar platform earlier because he is a talented actor. But you know, we didn't kind of really get to know him until a little bit later. So I was sort of, I was going there. Now, if it had been a reboot versus an, orig an original film, I think that they probably would have started looking at racial issues at that point in time. They wouldn't have been read, like homosexuality, the rights for homosexual couples were starting to come into the fore. Feminism, of course, had been around since the 70s, but they wouldn't have been ready to switch out a film that was entirely about sort of, you know, boys becoming men into a, like they wouldn't have done a gender swap at that point in time. And I don't think that they would have been ready to introduce uh, debates about sexuality when these kids, the film was about young kids, but I guarantee you that they would have introduced a black character because tokenism was definitely rampant at that point in time. And my pick would have been to switch out Vern for Rashawn Hammond. So he was the kid 
in in Hook, the head. Okay. And I think he would have been a really like it would have basically been you know a, an analog for that character. Kind of thing. So that is my guess. I'm not saying it would have been the correct way to do it because we all know that tokenism is bullshit anyway. But nonetheless, I think that had they done a reboot in the '90s of the '80s film, that that's the kind of approach that they would have taken because they would want to be, you know, more inclusive of the of the of the black community. Cool. I like some picks. So I feel like, I, I feel like the reboot of a, a 1986 flick in the '90s would have not been taken so well back in the nineties because it was too soon to do a reboot. It would have back then it was like you had to wait twenty years to do a reboot, not like Green Lantern two, three years later we're talking about a reboot or something like it was kinda like, oh or sorry, Spider Man is also Spider Man, yeah. Batman and all those guys are the great examples. But um so like the the, the idea of putting it in the nineties is kinda like it would be kind of not a reboot like of course this is all about a reboot, but doing the vision of it in the nineties and portraying it as like, well, how the nineties were, this is how it would go is, is it's, it's an interesting point of view. Actually. I think it's really cool. The, the concept that you guys have going on here with that, but there's no way that they would have redone it in the nineties. I mean, it was such an amazing film in the eighties and Rob Reiner did such a gorgeous job with that cast. Like I can't, I can't imagine I can't imagine remaking that film and I'm really glad they've left it the fuck alone, quite frankly, <laughs> but, but none- there's just some movies that need to stay where they were because, or else you're going to just brutalize it. Yeah. But we do like the creative exercise because you know, it's fun. It's, it's fun to do. So it is. Well, it, it's funny because we're going to do a special coming up soon where we rip the shit out of Hollywood for just constantly doing remakes oh, as they like I to please do. Please come on to that with that. I have, to, I've been having a bout with for years. Cause I was just like, it's like the, no one is willing to take a chance on new content. That's exactly- So they're going to take something that previously existed that got some good reviews and they're just going to take the names of the day, make it relevant to the issues that are happening now. And then just give it the same old twist and that's it. And it's kind of like, but why yeah. take a chance, do make it, different. do something new, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, see, this is hilarious. Cause this brings me to my pick. Oh, excellent. Okay. So who I got, I got the 2010s. Yeah. So oh, I, wow. I did what Hollywood would do. And my picks for the recast of stand by me huh. is the cast of stranger things. <laughs> The entire so, cast of Stranger we, Things. We Finn, Finn Wolfhard is going to be a, um, the Corey Feldman character. Oh, it's, oh, he's going to be the Feldman character. Okay. Uh, seeing him in like the, the trailers to like the soon-to-be-released Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and in a couple of the other films that he's been in, he does have that sarcastic, that, that sarcastic jokey kind of thing. And a similar look, I think. Because if you remember Feldman in that movie, he had the glasses going. He had kind of a a slightly geeky, yeah. kind of nerdy look to him. Blah blah blah. Um, for Vern, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Gitan Matarazzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he he fills out the like Vern was kind of the the otter looking character. He was the heavier set one. He had like some distinctive look to him. Um. For the Will Wheaton character, uh, I'll go with Noah Schnapp, who plays Will Byers. Okay. Oh, he's going to be a little younger. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think he has the sensitivity that Will Wheaton showed yeah. with the Gordy character. Yeah, that works. 
And then as you did, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to change the ethnicity of one of the characters. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to put Caleb McLaughlin in there okay. because, well, he just fits. And um, to top it all off, my Kiefer Sutherland character mm -hmm. that I chose, mm -hmm. still reminiscent of the times. Hold on. I have it written down here. Is going to be Nicholas Hamilton, who played the Henry uh, Burroughs character from It. He was the bully yes. in It, and he played it really well. He can almost keep the exact same hairstyle from It, the mullet going, because that's literally what Kiefer Sutherland kind of had going in Stand By Me. So I did kind of a parody of what we were trying to do here, yeah. exactly what Hollywood would have done, and just grabbed the the top cast, the top, the, the It actors of now times just went, here, have an entirely new... Uh, subject to do so it literally would have just been stand by stranger things yeah, it would <laughs> and that title yeah. <laughs> is so not it's nsfw like it's just like <laughs> approach because it's an like i mean the story got famous in the 80s of course and so you're kind of putting an 80s feel onto a story from the 50s i think that that, that that's where it works what, where i really found when he said like i took the cast from stranger things i'm like well that's what stranger things basically did they took every staple from the 80s and said let's make a show in 2015 plus and and like i was watching it and i was like this is my childhood I'm like, i i i felt exactly the same i was just like the bikes going to your friend's house yeah going to the arcade riding the camaros the everything the cars everything was immaculate tyler hasn't watched stranger things yet and and i it's on my very soon to do list it, it, it's it's a must like it is so perfect at encapsulating what childhood in the 80s was like i mean it, it is our childhood Exactly. It feels like opening a time capsule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when you started looking at Stranger Things season one, it was just like, wow, I haven't seen this in twenty five years. There was okay. There was this random shot in the like they went into the bathroom of one of of Will's of Will's family, and there was like this dispenser for paper cups, and I distinctly remember my best friend's mom having one of those in her bathroom, and I was like, oh my god. Ow. Yeah, I remember. Every friend's house I went into having a paper cup dispenser in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Like these are, and, and this is something I honestly had not thought of in, you know, 40 years or well, 30 years. And yet it was just like instantaneously brought me right back to being like eight. <laughs> it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. And they, they, I have never encountered a show that was as skilled as doing that as Stranger Things was. They made it, there, there were no moments where you really felt like, there, it was a portrayal. It really felt like it went in naturally. They, they, they got things down to a T. The environment, everything really flowed. They, as far as the haircuts, like I said before, the cars going to your friend's house on a bike, the walkie talkies when they're there talking to each other. I'm like, dude, we all did that. You like everyone laughs, but we all did that. You know, the slingshots. The, the whole sort of stuff, everything in that show was down like to a T. Yeah. That I just saw a meme a little while ago. I've seen it before, but this reminded me of it because I just saw it. It's a picture of a whole bunch of scattered BMXs on a lawn. Mm -hmm. And the thing oh, is, yeah. this is how you knew where your friends were exactly. back when we were kids. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you'd bike down the street and be like, oh, everybody oh, is at Tommy's. Yeah. 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 It's true. So, so. Uh, for one thing, 
for my Stand By Me thing. Um, this was if it was a general remake, and I don't think I think Hollywood could have flipped one of the ethnicities of a character, but I don't think they would have switched the sexes of a character. If I was making this as an original film, but still staying with the it cast of the time, mm-hmm. I probably would have dropped uh, Noah Schnapp, so the Will Byers character, for Millie Bobby Brown uh, and yeah, yeah. threw her in there. But for the story of Stand By Me, I don't think it fits as well. Just because of the the trek that they're on and the bonding as a bunch of like preteen male, the, some of the conversations and the stuff they had while they were traveling and stuff. And with the the bully and the constant threat of the violence and stuff, I don't think having a female character in there for the story as written would have fit as well. Yeah, indeed. So yeah. that's why I left that out. Indeed. Anyway, so that's that was the fun that we had today. Yeah, indeed. I think that was pretty good. I don't know. I, that's it was maybe. Well, we're running we're running over the two hour mark, so we've kept Chris here. <laughs> Oh, a long fucking time. We, we adore you. For- and I'm glad I stayed. <laughs> so, is there anything else we want to ask this fine gentleman about himself or Adams to Ashes before we fucking sign off for the night? Mm. Or is there anything you just want to spit out unprovoked? So when is your next, um, your next, like, when do you, when will you start promoting your next live event kind of thing? Cause of course we would want to, you know, give our, give our listeners a bit of a hint to be like, Hey, you should follow these guys. And this is what they're going to be doing next. First of all, you should always follow us because we're always posting funny shit, serious shit, awareness shit, throwback shit, follow shit, like everything. We're always doing something that in in, 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 in any kind of way will provoke interaction because that's just how we roll. As far as the next single is going, we're projected to release that one in August. So we're going to be doing a viewing party typically give or take two or three weeks beforehand. So you won't want to miss that because viewing parties are so much fun. And we always pull a rabbit out of our hats because it's kind of like, what can we do that will, 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 will the, the viewers or the listeners or the people that are following us every day consistently, what, what would they want to see? What, what can we do to up the ante? What can we do to make things better? And obviously, like I said, in the viewing party too, we always take on suggestions and we're always trying to do better from time to time from that. So. I can guarantee you're not going to want to miss the next one, especially since the fact that we just talked in the last one that we were ta- that we were releasing the EP physically um, mm-hmm. in September, and that if people purchase the bundle that c- included the show and the CD, mm-hmm. that we'd also featuring in the video clip, the next video clip that is to come. So I'm really excited about that personally because for once. Um, like the idea of the, ki- the video clip is pretty like already in motion. However, it's going to be really cool to be watching the video clip for the first time. Uh, well, not the first time, obviously we're there for the edits and this and that, but it's going to be cool to watch it with the fans for the first time, especially when they're involved in it. It's going to be like, Hey, you're welcome to our world where it's kind of like, we stress a little before these things. Like we keep a, we keep a, you know, a cool exterior, but at the same time too, we're like, well, how is it going to be received? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. It's kind of like shooter, 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 viewing party. Wow. Let's have a great time here today. 
But so now it's kind of going to be like, cool, because it's like people are going to be able to be a part of it. And it'll be like, hey, you get to see yourself in this video clip. And okay, like, first of all, it's awesome for us to be like, hey, people want to do this and participate. But also too, it's so cool to be people to be like, they want to do this and they get to see themselves in it. It's like, hey, I'm in this video clip. You know, like how people have done that in the past where like they, they were like in the, the crowd shot of this video clip or whatnot, you know, but it's like now you actually have like a part that you filmed yourself and whatnot, you know, in this video clip. So I'm that okay. definitely, yeah, I'm about that is what ask, is coming next. I'm about to ask the most important question of this entire episode. <laughs> So right there, right there, with our little history together, I have a, like, my spider senses are tingling <laughs> of I, what I, is I, going I to be asked I guarantee you, you're right. Because <laughs> I was part of your viewing party, and I'm getting the bundle, which means I'm going to be in your, in your video. Will, well, I, will, I, will I get this? my thong before... <laughs> The video comes. <laughs> so I have to say here because obviously this is going to be, you know, put out online and stuff like that. For, for we can't really put out <laughs> FW stuff, <laughs> but there may be an exclusive, like, like a, a version of the video clip that we may keep in the archives. <laughs> <laughs> that uh that may have some material that you know so for for our listeners who are material, let's call it that exclusive material oh god yeah so for our listeners who are just may have not have seen our live stream or been part of the viewing party before uh, of course we were part of a viewing party for adams to ashes uh latest you. uh Back to you, their latest single. Yes, coming and out April 2nd. You won't want to miss that. Join us on, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot, but especially on Instagram because we have our pre-save link up in the bio. So if you follow us before Friday, you can pre-save that to make sure you don't miss it and uh, you won't regret it. Excellent. There you go. So well, I was going to get to all that too. We had to get on the thing. But, he's, he's um, like he knows what's going on here. Yeah. So, so far, this has been our running joke because I mentioned it in the comments section of the viewing party. Then we dragged it on to the, our, our live stream of last weekend. Now we're bringing it up again in this episode of the podcast. And one day, all of our lucky viewers are going to get to see me in an Adam's Ashes thong. I fucking well guarantee it. If it's, if it's official or not, it's re- irrelevant. <laughs> no. If I got to fucking just buy a thong and write Adam's dashes <laughs> on it and fucking crayon. I, I, I'm just more concerned with your definition of lucky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I have to agree there. I cannot even in any kind of like I, I there is no way of defending that. I mean, I have to agree. It's okay. I understand. Except. So, for our fans who want to follow you on all your social media, is it all at Adams to Ashes? Yes. So, it's Facebook slash Adams to Ashes, YouTube slash Adams to Ashes, and Instagram slash Adams to Ashes. You will find us regardless, wherever. You write Adams to Ashes in Google. I'm pretty sure we come up in the very first searches too that come by. Excellent. And And if you want to follow us, we're at P-O-P-C-U-L-T-E-X-P. That's at the pop, that's at pop cult XP. And uh, I'm going to call it a show. It's a, I think we have, we have a good night.
It was it was fucking fun, thank Chris. It's thank fun. you again so for to Krista coming on, for joining us for this. This is thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You guys asked me. I said yes, absolutely. I want to be here for this because it's so much fun hanging out with you guys. I experienced it a little on the fly last Saturday, and I knew right away within I would say approximately two minutes and a half. I was like, yes, this is something that needs to happen. <laughs> Definitely. Well, often. Thanks to the live stream and having you on that. Um, this interview suddenly became one of the easiest things I was going to yeah, do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like we, I, I get nervous thinking of like cool questions to ask, like somebody that does something different or there's in a band or whatever, but having talked to you on the live stream and stuff, it just became an understanding that this is going to be a fairly breezy thing to do. And that's how we like to keep it. It's, it's like, Everything that we undertake in our social media, we want it to be like a conversation and just something that flows nice and easy because that's just how it goes. That's how we want to keep it. So folks, who, who, to whomever is listening, reach out to Adam Stashes, listen to their stuff. They're amazing and they're super friendly guys. So I have definitely had some conversations with both Chris and Sean. Uh, Reg apparently is a little bit more shy, but you know, I try uh, to Reg in any case because, you know, I without him you, you you wouldn't have drums and that would be terrible he's the timekeeper he keeps us in line you know if it wasn't for reg the guy behind us it's just to be like we'd be just disorganized <laughs> no, less him too but yeah say hi to these guys follow them on all their social media totally totally worth your time so so now amazing. we're gonna say bye to chris you're gonna say goodbye to us but our fans shouldn't go anywhere because as me and Chris mentioned earlier, we are going to finish off the episode by playing the, their new single back to you. So stick around. Listen to that. Everybody have a fucking fabulous night. Ciao. Now, before we get to back to you from Adams to Ashes, I would just like to remind everybody who likes to keep themselves clean and smooth and scented that our friends at Sensational Soaps and Lotions offer a wide variety of butters and balms and salts and scrubs and deodorants and soaps for you and your house and your pet and anything else you may want to keep clean. Um, they are located in Orleans and offer free delivery in the Ottawa area for any purchases over $25 and you can find them at sensationalsoaps.com. There's nothing here And that's all I take
fame This was always up 